He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. When mothers are here, we want to get, so lunch is going to be at one, so that we can have our one hour with our mother who flew all the way from Ghana. <laughs> so she will come here and give us insights if she wants us to it to be interactive right away it's up to her if she wants to talk it's up to her mother hallelujah i think our mother here has already finished preaching. <laughs> Paul says that our lives are books or like epistles seen and read by everybody. So she has brought us the word of God and laid a good foundation. Mommy, thank you very much. I think that um, you are fulfilling the scripture that says that the older women should teach the younger women. What is happening is that the older women are keeping things to themselves and are not pouring to the next generation. And then the next generation is also not carrying the baton to the other generation. God bless you and thank you for the practicality of the word in your life. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, the entrance of your word brings light. Let every darkness in our lives be dispelled. Give us light. Give us hearts to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Father, use me as your mouthpiece. Anoint me for the sake of your people. And let your word come unadulterated. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please sit down. I can see that some of our brothers decided to stay with us. <laughs> we thank God for another day and another morning and for all the wonderful vessels that he has used. I want to honor all the preachers, first of all, and also the Women of Faith International. And I also want to honor my United Denominations family. Thank you for being here. 
But oftentimes, when we go somewhere and you come, you are too noisy. I remember Bishop telling them in Panama, keep quiet, the people cannot hear me. And I didn't come because of you. Amen. Amen. But it's great to have you here, and I pray that God will speak to us. Amen. Is this still morning? This morning, I want to speak about the woman of good understanding. The woman of good understanding. And I think the brothers will find themselves in there because the woman also had a husband. (laughs) Amen. So... Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 25. It's, um, I think that it's a popular story, but sometimes it occurs to me when I have to do marriage counseling and um, I have to encourage people that, look, you... You really need um, understanding so that um, you will handle things a certain way. Because when you have understanding, you will be very different. And I pray that God will lead us with understanding. Like our mama said, that you need some insights to be able to see what God is doing. Amen. So this is talking about a woman called Abigail. In the book, um, Daughter, You Can Make It, written by Bishop Dagwood Mills, he talks about Abigailism. It's the same, and I want to talk about the woman of good understanding. So I want us to read our Bibles. 1 Samuel 25, are you there? We're reading from verse 2, okay, so that the whole story. And Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Moan whose possessions were in Camel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was sharing the sheep in Camel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. Amen. And she was a woman of good understanding. Amen. She was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. What I'm grateful for is that she is being described, but her good understanding comes before her looks. Amen. So your being of good understanding is more valuable than your looks. You want to look like the people on social media. And that's your whole aim in this life. But that is just the shell. So be concerned about the contents and not just the container. Amen, somebody. So, well, we read on. And... Of a beautiful countenance, but the man was careless and evil in his doings. The man was careless and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Okay? And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did share his sheep 
And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get up you to Camel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him, That liveth in prosperity. Him that liveth in prosperity, not poverty, prosperity. He was so prosperous that he had to be described. His prosperity had to, you, when they call you, they just call your name. They don't add that you live in prosperity. But the Bible has certain adjectives for this man. First of all, it said he was very great. And then another thing was that he lived in prosperity. And yet he was careless and he was evil. How can all these exist in one person? <laughs> Amen? Amen? Anyway. Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Peace to you, peace to your house, and peace over everything that you have. And now... I have heard that thou hast sharers. Now thy shepherds, which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Camel, as thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. It was a good day. He was sharing his sheep anyway. He was going to feed his servants anyway. So David and God decided to go and ask in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants. These were very modest people. They were not saying, give us bread, give us raisins, give us figs, add wine, give us. Unlike some of us, when we go somewhere, they give us, I say, hey, but where is the cook to go with it? Hey, but where is the dessert? So that whatever comes into your hand. So they were not even being preposterous. Do you see? Sometimes... My church children are preposterous because, for instance, in Ghana, when Saletina and come, the board meetings, and I do all the menu and the meals, and, the, and whenever there's an occasion, I naturally serve. It's not to win elections. You know, sometimes elections, then the presidents will be lifting people and then doling out food to the poor soup kitchen. That's not for, in Ghana, some of them will be doing banku, plating people's hair. That's not what. But we had a meeting and then there were, there were outside ministers and there were also our, our own selves. So it was time for lunch. And then I found myself behind one of the things. So as I was dishing, the, the ministers from outside, whenever they saw, they, they would go back. They are holding their plates. It's a buffet. They'll go back and they'll say, oh, no, mommy, no, you. Oh, please. I said, oh, I'm used to it. But when my people come, they'll say, hey, mommy, uh, this chicken, please add the other one. Add fish. Add this. This is how they are. And the other outside pastors were so shocked that hey, they even have preferences. So, oh, mommy, this is your love, dear. It's powerful. Add half, add half a spoon. And the outside ministers were like, your mother is serving you. 
the wife of Bishop Doug, she's serving you, and you are pointing out what you like. It is then that I saw that our children are sports. <laughs> but David didn't do that. He said that, whatever is in your hand, give to us. <laughs> Sometimes even they come to your office, what you are eating, they want it. Hey. <laughs> but they came in humility, in modesty. You know, which my children will do well to learn. And they said that whatever is in your hand. <laughs> whatever is in your hand, give to us. <laughs> and they said that um, after pro proclaiming peace, you know, this is even teaching us how to ask for things. Or how to go about when you are going to ask for a favor, not a sense of entitlement, you know, but like, give us whatever is in your hands because we have come on a good day. Hmm. Then they speak to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and then they ceased. You know, the shepherds were with us. Okay, let's read that part because... Um, it's important. Thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, we have witnesses, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thy eyes. Then he says, Yeah, we come in a good day. And when David's young men came, they speak to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And neighbor answered David's servants and said, Who is David? <laughs> and who is the son of Jesse? It means you know him, if you know his father. You know him, but it's a way of speaking. And it's a proud look. Amen? Because if you know that his father is Jesse, well, how can you say that? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. So you knew he had a master he was running away from. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my sharers? Other verses say for your servants. And give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all these things. And David said unto his men, Get ye on every man his sword. And they gathered every man his sword. And David also gathered on his sword. And they went up, and there went up after David about 400 men. One neighbor. 400 men are coming against your whole house. And they are seasoned people. And they are not coming to just even threaten you. They are holding swords. A whole army. And 200 abode by the staff. So there were 600 in all. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to, our, to salute our master. And he railed on them. He railed on them means that he insulted them. I mean, if you won't give me, fine. But the insults, why? Hmm. And, but the men were very good unto us. 
and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what thou would do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. So it wasn't only neighbor who was going to suffer, all his household. You know, like the stories our mother was sharing with us. When the men say they will not listen to you, the painful thing is that the, when there's a problem, it's not just you. It's this poor woman and her four children. Amen? And then we are also tight-lipped. We can't say, I told you so. <laughs> so the servant says to Abigail, now therefore, consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master. And against her, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. When nobody can speak to you, it's a sign of Belial in your life. Amen. Amen. Then Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed. If it were you, you will now be calling. You will now be looking to see if you have money in your account. Abigail was married to a great man who was living in prosperity. So she just snapped her finger and she was able to produce all these things. 200 loaves of bread, two bottles of wine, five sheep already dressed. Hey, you, five chicken cry is a problem. And five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Amen. Now, before we even continue the story, what are the things that we can learn about Abigail? Abigail, the Bible says, was a, man, a woman of good understanding. She was married to a very great man, the Bible says. He had 3,000 sheep, which was like the value of maybe cows or ships, or, because that was the main means of transportation in that time, and 1,000 goats. So he, that was great in those days. That's how wealth was measured. Now, how did a sensible woman like Abigail end up with a foolish man like Nabal? The Bible does not tell me. But sometimes you are sensible of, and of good understanding. But when it comes to marriage, you don't use your, your mind. You don't use the word. You just use his car keys, his assets, and his prosperity. Thinking that everything else will be solved after the marriage. But I keep telling, especially the young people in my church, that if you see something you don't like, don't say that it's going to go away. Rather, know that when you marry, multiply it by a thousand. Because it's going to manifest. So the best question you should ask yourself is, as I see this fault, can I live with it? Can I live with it? Because there's not going to be any perfect person. But depending on the nature of the fault, can I live with it? And God will help you to be truthful to yourself. You know, so, 
you may be of good understanding, you are beautiful, but when it comes to certain choices and decisions, your mind doesn't seem to work. And your spiritual intelligence is turned off. And you always feel that what you are seeing will go away, or is not real, or, or I'll change him. Since his mother gave birth to him, he has not changed. Are you the one coming to now change him? Since he landed on planet Earth, the Holy Ghost has been struggling with him over certain things. Are you greater than the Holy Ghost? So the best thing is to say, Lord, can I live with this? The wedding comes the marriage. And then the scales start to fall off. Amen? And when the scales fall off, you say, hey, I didn't know his name denoted his character. Because neighbor means fool. Neighbor means fool. Amen? Amen? Abigail means pleasantness. Amen? Amen? So when you are my neighbor, somebody whose mother is always calling, neighbor, foo, foo, foo. <laughs> and then you say, oh, it's just, uh, it's just imagery. It's just to make things colorful. That's why they gave him that name. No. Amen? Now, the Bible says that when you are married to an unbelieving man and he be pleased to dwell with you, 1 Corinthians 7, then don't leave him, but live with him. And the Bible says that he will be saved. If he does not obey the word, he will be saved by your behavior. Amen? If he does not obey the word, he will be saved by you. But marriage itself is very hard work. You have gone to add extra things to make it more complicated. Amen. Amen. So then if Abigail found herself like this, then she has to go by the scripture that he will be won by the word. Either she didn't know or she knew or she found out later. Whatever it is, she ended up with a neighbor just like some of us have. Now, I think that people superimagine what it is like if they marry a Christian. It is good to marry a Christian. In fact, the Bible says we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But the fact that you marry a Christian doesn't mean that life is perfect. Doesn't mean that there will be no challenges. Even you and God... Your relationship is one perfect and one imperfect. Look at the problems God has with you. And look at the fact that he always has to convince you that he's a good God. He has to tell you that I know the plans I have for you. They are plans of prosperity and not of disaster. Because you have such a negative skewed mind. That no matter what God does, you are not convinced. How much more to human beings... Two imperfect beings. Two vessels of clay. Amen. So the reason why you have certain challenges is not only because your husband, your wife is not saved. It may be a reason, but when you marry a saved person, it doesn't mean that everything has gone and now you are married to Jesus. Because even when you are married to Jesus, you have 
problems with Jesus. And he has to tell you, casting all your cares upon me because I care for you. Because you don't think he cares. And even when things go wrong, I say, does God care? Where are you? What? Perfect person. You have a lot of problems with him. How much more? An imperfect person. So, we have to approach marriage with grace. Amen? Amen. And approach marriage with mercy. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of his power may be of God and not of us. So the treasure is there, but it's in earthly vessels. Amen. So Abigail, pardon me? Let's go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, what was I saying? <laughs> we have a treasure in earthly vessel, so we have to accept the humanness of our, our partners and then our own humanness. Because sometimes when we are Christians, we are very self-righteous. And we don't see any evil about ourselves. And everything, we just point the finger. Forgetting that as you point one, the four are pointing towards you. So we have to approach marriage with a lot of grace. Amen. Now, the Bible says that Nabal was great. The fact that a man has assets, car keys, whatever, does not make him a suitable partner for you. Amen. God says the man must be God-fearing and must know him. Okay? So we pray that we will be that way minded. Now, greatness in work doesn't mean greatness in relationships. Sometimes even greatness in ministry doesn't mean greatness in marriage. You see, I saw somebody, he said, uh, my wife, I said, where did you meet your wife? He said, oh, I was invited to go and preach somewhere. And she was leading the worship. And anyway, brethren, when she led the worship, the spirit of God came down. And I said, hey, if she has moved the room this way, then this is my wife. <laughs> A true story. God has spoken. Then now they got married. He told me, Lady Reverend, if I do anything and she's upset, she will not talk to me for three months. I said, hey, the worship leader. Wow. So it's not greatness in ministry. May even be what will be the challenge. Because you have gone to marry an anointed woman. Every day she has to hear from God. So she does not cook. She does not clean. She does not have anything to do with her children. But when you see her on stage, you say, oh, wow. If I'm married to her, she will obey the word. If you see a man, say, glory to God. It's, oh, hey. I'm marrying the anointed. You are not marrying the anointed. You are marrying a human being. Amen. So greatness here does not always translate. It should. It used to be that when a woman was saved, you could see the fruits of the Spirit. But nowadays, nowadays, I myself, sometimes I feel dizzy. Hey! The, 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 the level, the, the playing field, the level is at another level. 
And I mean, we have to really pray for our children. Because what you see is not so. It's not so. They look so, you know. When you are looking for it, you can't find it. The sink is full of dirty dishes. She is casting out demons in Boston. <laughs> so we need balance. The Bible says, the Bible says a false balance is an abomination. You see, my husband likes to preach to all of us to work for God. That's his heart. You know, work for God. If you are a lady, don't let just your home keep you down. You know, you really, you, when you get to heaven, what did you use your talents for? You know, and then lately he was leading Flo and he said that, let's pray that the Lord would take us to the next level of ministry. And as I was praying, I said, hey, next level, I have a lot of things to do in the house. <laughs> So then people think that, oh, you don't even have a life and your husband just says, oh, go preach, go minister. But that is not my experience. <laughs> my experience that when I say, oh, I have to go here to minister, eh, when? What time? Eh, what date? But did you look at my schedule before you said yes to the person? Where will I be? So, oh, you'll be on crusades. What? Sometimes I'm working in the office, you'll call me. Mommy, I'm going home. I said, oh, okay. So when are you coming? Mm, looking at what I'm doing. Mm, maybe in an hour. He'll say, okay. But it means that he will not go home. He wants me to go home first. He has not put it in words. But like our mama was saying, you have to be of good understanding. You have to see certain things. You see? So then even my office people know. Sometimes as soon as the call comes and they say, hey, mommy, because I close all my things. I say, hey, I have to go. I have to go. My stew is not finished. I have to add this and I have to what? You see, so you may be a woman of God of power. And your spirituality is what attracted them to you. But after they marry, they are not looking for a lady pastor. They are looking for a wife. Amen, ladies. which also shocks us as women we are so shocked because you are always preaching that we should do what god has called us to do what and some of us it's not even lady pastor you are corporate so you think that yes your corporateness may have attracted him your smart suit and your back when you come home it looks like you have to remove that and then just be a wife and you are surprised ah when we got married, he knew that I worked late. He knew that the financial district is like that. So now why is he? I said, because now you've become a, a wife. So greatness or something in one area does not necessarily just transcend to the other area. And we have to understand that. Amen. Not long ago, my husband was telling me, Mommy, I can't find my slippers. And I said, oh, really? So where did you put them? Since then, he has put it in the floor. If I said I can't find my shirt, it doesn't mean that I'm trying to look for my shirt. It means that help me look for the shirt. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
I always tell people that the thing about marriage is that if it's not you, it's very funny. But when it's you, it's not funny at all. <laughs> so Abigail and Neighbor were irregular mates. But the fact that you are irregular does not make you incompatible. Which people always say, oh, we are so different. We have such different visions. We are not going the same way. That's a worldly idea. God does not know what you are calling incompatibility. He's saying that whatever lands on your plate, he's able to give you grace to maneuver. He says no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. With every temptation, he will provide the way of escape. But sometimes you are so angry. You are so emotional. You are so filled with counsel from your foolish friends that you can't see the fire exits that God is providing. And you cannot see the way of escape. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Amen. Abigail was approachable, even by a servant. She was married to a man who could not be spoken to. But the servant could come to her and say, you know, Abigail, this is what is actually happening. Now, the fact that Abigail didn't know show that, shows that communication had broken down in the marriage, like our mama was saying. Because neighbor did not even tell her, oh, some people came... And they were asking me for this, and this was my reaction, nothing. So as she's in her part of the house, she doesn't know what is happening elsewhere. And it took her servant to be able to tell her. But sometimes we are so proud, so unapproachable, that even people who could lend a helping hand or give us insight or give us light cannot reach us because we have made ourselves high and mighty. Amen. And if anything, anybody says anything small about your marriage or gives you some small advice, you, you react. You don't want. And this servant was not even doing marriage counseling. He's just saying that we are about to be killed. <laughs> yeah, he said that evil is determined against our whole household. We are about to be killed, madam. And this is the problem. And David has been good to us. I am a witness. So, and what did the servant tell Abigail? said that. Know and consider what you will do. The servant did not have the capacity to advise Abigail as to what to do. But Abigail had been endowed by God with good understanding. So knowledge. Hey, children are calling me. So knowledge gives you insights. Knowledge gives you understanding. But if you don't know, you will not be able to exercise understanding. Please, am I making sense? Yeah. If Abigail had not known, she would have good understanding, whatever, but she cannot apply it. So knowledge comes before understanding. Amen? Amen. And that's why the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the word of God is light because it gives you knowledge. And when you have that knowledge, the Holy Spirit will use it to give you understanding. Amen. Amen. So a servant could speak to Abigail. 
But some of us, unless you are high in the church, you cannot tell us anything. <laughs> but you see, with Naaman, it took a maid servant to show them the way. So God uses different vessels. Sometimes even your own children to talk to you. Amen. Sometimes my children have given me advice and I'm so surprised that they are wise. <laughs> Don't tell them I said it. And then I say to myself, oh, so something paid off after all. And something worked. Amen. So when the servant tells Abigail, Abigail knows about timing. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that there's a time for everything. There's a time to speak and a time not to speak. A time to hug and a time to refrain from embracing, the Bible says. So when Abigail was told, because she was a, good, a woman of good understanding, she could juggle timing. Some of us, we have things to discuss with our husbands. Wrong timing. When he's come from work, he's tired. He said, ah, you are tired. Me too, I've been here with the children now. I'm also tired. Are you looking for effectiveness or you are looking for equalization? What, what, what are you looking for? Amen. And I tell you, I always say that if I were Abigail, I don't think I would think of figs and this. I would think of going to the bedroom to go and ask the man. That, so why? Don't you know that David, he has helped us. And in any case, are we not sharing and providing food for servants. So if you give them some, then what will happen? You, you like bringing problems. So. Everyday difficulties. Every day, you see, we complain. The Bible says it's better to dwell in the corner of a house than with a contentious woman. A nagging woman. And the reason is, most women are verbal. So when we share something and it seems it hasn't sunk, we feel that we should hammer it. <laughs> yes, like you don't understand. So let me. So first, the first one we used words. After that, we use diagrams. After that, we use lab tests. After that, we'll do ultrasound and we'll show you all the x-rays for you to see. And even when your husband doesn't want to hear, then you will be following. You will listen. You will listen. You will listen to what I'm saying. You will listen. You lost him long ago. Somebody said, yeah, I'm guilty. <laughs> a lot of words never wins a man. David said it's better to dwell in the wilderness. And that the continuous uh, 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 droppings of a, 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 a woman are like a continuous droppings of rain on the roof. They get tired because they are not wired that way. But that's not what Abigail did. She said, oh, as this man is so angry and he's advancing, I discern that I have to act now. Not with my husband's cooperation. Not by going to have a UN meeting, but by saving the situation in my wisdom. That is what made her get the figs, the wine, the this, the that, quickly. And what did she do? She sent the servants ahead. She didn't go ahead. She sent the servants out. Take this, and then I'm on my way. I'm coming. 
And Nabal didn't even know the action that was happening. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now when we look at Proverbs 18, verse 16. Proverbs 18, verse 16. Please tell me when my time is getting here because I don't know. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. How will you know this? You are not likely to learn it in your lecture hall. That a man's gift, but you may even learn it by observation. You know, but Abigail knew that the gift must go ahead before I come. It's the same principle that Jacob applied when he was going to meet Esau. He said, I'm going to give him sheep. I'm going to give him things. And he sent them ahead. So by the time he met his brother Esau, tempest had cooled. And this is the key that Abigail used. He said, saddle the donkeys, take the things. And she took proper things. Not funny and cooked food, you see. As my husband would say, I eat with my eyes. Food is not just food. But how you present it. How you present it? Your mug is chipped somewhere. You did they say, oh, pour the hot water. Oh, even kettle you don't have. When I'm coming to you, I say, hey, they do have. Years ago, I don't know if the people are here. I went to. <laughs> I, I was going to preach and I passed through somebody's house. And then they made tea for me. And I said, oh, could I have some cream? Oh, yes, of course. Before I know. A big gallon of milk. She's coming to pour for me. I saw. Don't pour. Put it in a milk jug. See, milk jug. I don't have anything like that in my house. So invest in certain things. It's important. Your home should also be a nice home. Not that everything is so. I mean, you don't even treat your husband like a king. Do you understand? Somebody said my my wife treats me like a god. So really, you are blessed. Why? She gives me burnt offering every morning. <laughs> but for Abigail, presentation was everything. Knowing when to confront, knowing when to be quiet, Knowing when to just act, knowing when to share, knowing when not to share, like the timings, it comes by understanding, not by just you are doing. Amen. Amen. So when Abigail sends this, then she follows herself. She says to the servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. She told not her husband Nabal. And it was so, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her. They were very close to her household. They were coming. David said that the Lord uh, judged between me. If I leave any man, anything that pisseth against the wall, I leave it. I have to destroy everything. Yeah. A whole army of 400 men. A solo woman comes to meet them with what good understanding wisdom is the principal thing amen and at this point she's wealthier than david david is nobody he is still um, in the wilderness 
he, he's been told that he will be king, but he has not come into anything. But Abigail, the Bible says that she came down. Now David had said, surely in vain, I've kept all this. I will just finish it so more. God do. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted. And she lighted off the donkey. And fell before David on her face. And bowed herself to the ground. And fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. She took on the role of an intercessor. So even though she was going to meet David, because of Nabal's foolishness, she was still standing in for Nabal. She was still having Nabal's interests at heart. That's what shows you whether you are bitter or not. Amen. So she said, upon me. Let this sin be. She lighted off her ass. She bowed herself. She prostrated to a beggar man who has not become anything. Because humility, humility, it, re, it breaks down barriers. Amen. But there's no peace in that marriage because there's no humility in it. So every day, I should say sorry, every day, no more. This, that, that, that. My mother-in-law told me something. She said that if you don't bend, you break. But if you bend with the wind, you just bend and then you are moving. Amen. Amen. She lighted herself off the camel. She bowed down. The Bible says that also about Ruth. But in our generation Z, bow down. Bow down to a man. Is he better than me? It is just graciousness. And it is just godliness. Amen. Some young people were asking me that. They said, hey, Lady Reverend, you know, this, your generation is just full of patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> I said, patriarchy what? They said, mm, I mean, I don't see why when I get married and I'm, we are both working, I should um, be cooking or looking after the house. And then he just comes and he just eats and... And I said that for me, I don't feel cheated because to me, it's role differentiation. My role is this. His role is this. And so for me, everybody's playing their role and we are moving forward. Hmm. Role. I said, look, you better be renewed by the Bible. Because your mind is some, and I said that even the Bible says, submit one to another. The Bible says, submit to those in authority over you. The Bible says, submit unto God. So submission is not only in marriage. It's on so many levels. So what is your problem? Amen. Amen. And they say, I'm, I'm not into cooking. I'm into fashion. <laughs> well, Abigail bowed herself in humility and she took on the sins of her husband and said upon me upon me let this sin be then she tells david that you don't have to um fight this battle because god is going to fight for you and i can see that god is going to make you king and when you are king you would have avenged yourself and you would have shed so much blood that your reign will be unstable a woman of good understanding has good negotiation skills. She points out to the other party the benefits of what she's talking about. 
Human beings are selfish. So when you are talking to them and it's all about you, your interest, your this, your that, it won't work. But when you start from, you know, it will benefit you in this way, David. You are going to be king. Think about it. If you kill all these people, it won't work for you. It will go against this. Uh, okay, she thinks about me. But most of us, when we go, say, hey, today I want to discuss. You see, me, eh, I'm not taking it because I feel this way and I think this way and I am hurting and I am whatever. I, 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 and never the interest of the other party. Therefore, you lose the other party. Amen? Amen. Hmm. God should grant us wisdom. And so in the end, David says to her, blessed be your advice. Not blessed be your looks. Not blessed be how fashionable you are. Not blessed be your fashion sense. But blessed be this thine advice. And in the end, Abigail comes back. She doesn't speak to Nabal because he's drunk. And then after 10 days, God strikes Nabal down. But Abigail can say to herself that I tried to save his life. And I didn't do anything detrimental to him. The Bible says about the virtuous woman, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It doesn't mean that when you have a problem, don't say it. But the way you say it, Lady River, you, you don't know. If you were married to this man, you will know that you are married to the devil incarnate. Somebody said, have you seen the devil before? Come and look at my husband. And in the end, she saves David's life. Now, I want to say that understanding is key. And the absence of understanding brings separation, scattering of marriages, scattering of homes, scattering of churches, business relationships. When you look at Genesis 11, 7 to 8, they said, the people said, go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And that's what Satan is using, that we will not understand one another and we will be against one another. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Now, in Deuteronomy 9, 6, the Bible says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked generation. Moses was talking to the Israelites and said, that, Understand that what God is doing with Israel, what God is making them special out of, is not because of your righteousness, because you are a stiff-necked generation, but it's because he has chosen you and he loves you. So that understanding is what Moses was trying to impart, the understanding therefore. Understanding is the ability to give a deeper meaning to something that has occurred at face value. For example, Pharaoh's dream was giving, but understanding came from Joseph. God gives divine understanding to all our issues. And it took Joseph to bring the knowledge of the dream Break it down to practical life for it to be useful in Pharaoh's life. And we as women should pray for understanding. When you read the book of Ephesians, it says that the spirit of knowledge and understanding in the wisdom of him. Because when you don't understand, it's not going to work. 
Now, there are many things, I'm quickly running to finish. There are many things we don't understand as spouses. We don't understand that men are different from women. We don't understand backgrounds, that everybody has a different background. In your house, on Christmas Day, you have a party and you call everybody from outside. In his house, on Christmas Day, they rather go and visit people. So now you have married and it's Christmas Day. Whose tradition should you do? But you have this high and mighty mind, which is without understanding. And you feel that yours is superior. But the only reason why you feel that way is you are doing what you are used to. But it is not necessarily superior. So as you have come together, you are now coming to forge your own tradition. Maybe taking some from here and taking some from there. You know, in my house, on 25th, we don't have any guests. The main gate is locked and the doors are also locked. We have a long table. There are 13 of us, plus cousins and maids and all. We all sit around the table and we have performances, dances, poetry, drama. Well, we are a lot. My father said, we don't need to go out. We can be happy <laughs> amongst ourselves. Now, when I got married, my husband said, get ready. We are going to my mother's on the 24th of December. I'm like, 24th? But that's Christmas Eve. So yes, because Swiss people celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. And so, I, I didn't make it an issue, or it didn't even occur to me that it was an issue, because I felt that 25th was also there, you know. So then, since then, since I married, we always have Christmas on 24th December. And we go to my mother-in-law's house, I go and add whatever I'll add to the food, and then we are flowing. And now I see my son is married, he's also celebrating Christmas on 24th night. But his wife, who was not used to that, is not fighting her. Because some things are not necessary to fight if you have understanding. Amen. So a difference doesn't mean there should be a fight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we must understand also the personality of the person you are married to. You see, I told my husband, we were in Israel, the last time we were in Israel, I was talking to him and I said, God told me that I shouldn't expect um, a regular life because there's, an, uh, there's a peculiar anointing on your life. Said, really? What does it mean? <laughs> I said, the things you do and the things God uses you for, they are not regular or normal. Said, really? Like where? <laughs> I said... I'll just use one example. Like you're building Mampong, which is a prayer retreat. I said, who builds Mampong in that way? You know, without any big architectural company, without whatever, you build a whole city for people to come and pray, to come and, anyway, the latest news I heard, every day he says he's finished. Now he's building a stadium, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, He's listening intently to me. I said, really? I said, yes. And also, you are everything. You are an evangelist. You plant churches. You write books. I don't expect to have you to myself for so long. I don't expect to have a normal, average life. But what I thank God for is that he gave me understanding. Because if he didn't give me understanding, it's not an easy road to walk on. Amen. And... 
He was so stunned, looking at me. He said, really? I said, Ruth Graham said, I would rather be, have a, a slice of greatness than to have a, oh, I forgot the, the, it's not the leg of the elephant, it's something. I have, I'd rather have a loaf than a slice of greatness. And she paid a very high price. Billy Graham was hardly at home. And when he was home, the thing is that when people go to war and they arrive, they also want to be ministered to. So it's not the time that they are coming to minister to you. Minister what? They are depleted. Everything is gone. And you are surprised because you are also looking for it. Oh, when they come, life will, be no- life will not be normal. Life will not be normal. When they come, rather, they are very, Mommy, what's there to eat? What's there to eat? But on the stage, all this irritability is not there. <laughs> but God will grant you understanding and even compassion to see that, oh, the person works so hard, takes so much flack, you know. And sometimes you see that the things are not about you. You ask some small question. When did I say what? Was, hey, your own pressures from all over the world, your global pressures. You are trying to make them domestic. You know, so let's us make it our prayer topic. It's something that Paul said to the Ephesian church to pray for. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Because there are so many things God has explained to me that my husband doesn't even know about. And that, by the grace of God, keeps me cool in certain areas. Amen. And I believe that it is something that we can have. That God can make us Abigails. And God can give us good understanding. This is all my time will allow me. So stand to your feet, please. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> to be continued someday. But I just want us to look at Ephesians 1.17. You know, we are always praying our own carnal prayers. But it's time to look for prayer topics in the Bible. Because when we do, we don't ask amiss and God grants it. So Paul said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you and unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. When your understanding is enlightened, you know certain things. You have certain understandings. And sometimes when things happen, I say, this thing is not about me. It's about the person's stresses. It has nothing to do with me. I can see. So you are able to move past it. Not because you are a superhero, but because God has granted you divine understanding and enlightened your eyes so that you know certain things. I pray that with this small rendition, God will minister to us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please sit down. I think our time is up, Sister Latina. You still want the question and answer time? Not you. The person, <laughs> the person who did that. <laughs> but why are they even answering? <laughs> okay, she says she will accept a few. So. 
over to you. So we're going to collect the questions. Anyone with a question, please raise your hand. Anyone who's filled the Whilst card? we are at it, I just want mm -hmm. to say that there's a whole gold mine of books by Bishop Dag Hewitt Mills yeah. in the corridor there. You know, many people, especially even pastors, testify to their ministries changing, their lives changing, just by a book. And my husband said that he once was praying and he asked God, how can I bear fruit? How can I bear much fruit? And he saw a hand holding a book. So he, just, that he doesn't just write because you write, but it's because God asked him to. And since he did, it has touched so many lives. We've been to so many places that people don't know us, but just the book has touched their lives, changed their lives. There's a pastor in Toulouse, France. I mean, his ministry has just exploded with so many branches, so many. And he was in Singapore with us, and he was giving his testimony. So Latino was there. And he said that, I just got a book, and then things are happening, you know. So I think that we need to have knowledge so that we can have good understanding. So sometimes there's a whole set of Macarius books, you know. You are buying the latest fashion from Macy's. You don't read. You don't have any knowledge. You don't look at anything. But even what I was preaching, Abigailism, Model marriage is in daughter, you can make it. And the model marriage. A friend of mine told me that they were doing marriage counseling in her church. She's a pastor's wife. Every day she sees the people coming and going. The one day she stopped them and said that, so what did you learn today? They said Adam and Eve. She said, okay. The next week she saw another couple. She stopped them. What did you learn today? Adam and Eve. Three times. So she got up with holy indignation. She said, no. Sister, mommy, something must change. So she came and she got copies of the model marriage. And it was a blueprint for their marriage counseling. And all over the world, it's a blueprint. And it contains also topics that Christians will not like to talk about, like bedroom issues. And it talks about how to enhance your life in the bedroom. Amen. I'm not Bishop Doug, so I speak with imagery. And then, daughter, you can make it. Every woman has to have a copy. And the men should also buy for the women. The beauty, the beast, and the pastor. This one is a hot one. <laughs> How to pray. Sata, you want to be prayerful like our mama, mama said. But you don't know how to pray. That's a manual. And it's all based on the Bible. Amen. How can you, you can become a strong Christian? You've been wishy-washy for so long. How can you be stable? This is your book. Those who are dangerous sons, they exist. <laughs> if they exist in the Bible, they exist in life. It's true. They are sons, but they are dangerous. Those who pretend. I just had to counsel somebody, and she was so shocked because at how people can pretend. You know, one of the uh, lady pastors, I mean, one of our churches, she had a baby, and then this lady came with a Moses basket. They say, she even told me, she said, Mommy, I don't know this lady so well, but she came with a Moses basket, presents, whatever. And then now when she comes to church, the girl is standing on the parking lot, helping her with her things, whatever, only for her to find that she was going out with her husband. Those who pretend. Hmm. Those who accuse you, 
those who accuse you. As an attorney, you know, when we have uh, legal uh, crime issues, we call you the accused persons. So me, I didn't know there was anything wrong, because you're an accused person. And then after the case, we'll know whether you're accused or not. But the case starts with, where are the accused persons? And they line them up. <laughs> but in the body of Christ, you can, you can deal with issues without sounding accusatory. And I am also against using accusations to cover things so that your wife cannot talk about anything. Everything she says is accusation, accusation, that you hide under it. So, yes. <laughs> knowledge is power. Amen. And then this is the Macarius with all the books. May God bless you as you patronize. Amen. And also... I think that I've preached a lot of messages which are on podcast. Wow. 60 books and the whole collection is $120. Where will you get this? Okay, God bless you. What was I saying before the price? Pardon? Everything is on the podcast, on YouTube, because I realize that when people listen to that, I have less work and less counseling and less pastoral care to do. Amen. And it's free. Okay. My editor is editing your questions. <laughs> Lord, give us wisdom. Although it's not an ideal situation, what is the most important advice for someone who is entering a marriage with a young stepchild? Wow. This is a whole sermon, and it's in the model marriage, the step home, or as you call it in America, the blended home. Hmm? So it's important to read that. Abraham had a, a step home for a season. So when you read the model, my Bible would say that divine love should be the key. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love does not behave itself unseemly. If you exercise that, it should be. And even the Bible says that love your enemies. So even when the person is not receiving it well and it's your enemy, love never fails, okay? How should a wife act when she makes more money than her husband to avoid him feeling like he's not the head of the home? One of the things that have shocked me that I have come across is male insecurity. I never knew that it existed, but I've had to deal with it. Even um, um, a few months ago, I had to speak to a couple, and the husband was like, she's always calling the children. She knows everything about the children. I don't know anything. I said, hey, she's not responsible for how you relate to your children. Right. She's not the minister of reconciliation. Or, <laughs> but we take on so much as women. In the end, it becomes our job, you know. But... They should also develop skills and reach out to their children. That's right. You know, and then I said, so what exactly is bugging you? Mm. He said, mommy, I'm not the main thing. I'm now a side issue. Oh. And my children are the main thing. And the wife could not believe it. So later I told her that mm, they have their own jealousy. So, so <laughs> you need wisdom to handle it. Because she was telling me now even to talk to her child. In his presence, she doesn't do it because you say, eh, eh, and you have you are spoiling them and all that love and is it necessary? It de it denotes a need. 
He denotes a need. So reassure him the best you can. Now you earn more money. What I would say, I've counseled in the past, is that don't rub it in the man's face. You see, many years ago, when I went to have my first child in Switzerland, I was working. So I saved. And then my husband was doing his residency. So obviously, he didn't have much money. So when I worked, I sent him money to buy a ticket to come to Switzerland to be with me, to have the baby. <laughs> and then when he came, I figured out, I think it was understanding from God. I'm not saying you should all do it because it brought me a lot of problems. But anyway, when he came, <laughs> I just took my card or whatever I had and I said, this is what I've earned and you have it and then lead us financially as to how we will spend it. But that was because he was a wise man, you see. But he didn't even say, oh, really, that's very nice of you. He took it as if that's how <laughs> it should be. So we came back to Ghana, and then he was preaching. He said, my wife did something that really touched me, but he hadn't told me. So I heard it from the mic. She gave me her whole salary, and she said that I should distribute it as I see fit. Hey. After that sermon, all the men were on their wives. You have to give me a whole salary. <laughs> Including LP Lay sitting here. <clears throat> so then, after they came, she said, she said, Mom, why did you share that? You brought chaos in the church. So I, said, I didn't share it. I was doing something in my small world. And now it has come to be shared. And now people who don't even know how to balance books, they are saying, give me everything. So please, there's a disclaimer there. So I think that you shouldn't rub it in their faces. My mother said to me that sometimes men lose jobs. And the, uh, wives don't know that there are seasons in life. Today you are up. Tomorrow your job may be down. So they have this very pompous way. And she said that some good wives, you won't even know that their husbands don't work. Because... They will not be saying it everywhere. The way they even present the man, you will know that the man is okay. So later you find out that he lost his job. But some of them too, they'll be saying, how much do you want? Hey, now you, why? This, you see, yes, when will you get a job? Meanwhile, you know he always goes out and he tries. So there's a balance there, you know. So you can help, you can earn more, but don't let him feel demeaned. The Bible says, let the wives see to it that they reverence their husbands. See to it. That's the, the phrase the Bible uses. You know, so see to it that even if you are earning more, you reverence him. You may not be able to heal all his insecurities, but at least you will know that you did your best as much as lies within your power. I told one of my friends whose husband lost his job, I said, that, don't come and give him money at the end of a month. That this is your pocket money. No. Put it in an envelope, a nice envelope, and leave it on the dining table. Then when you are going to work, say, bye, hon, I left an envelope on the dining table. I mean, if ever, you know, they want it to, but like, you have to say if ever. <laughs> so you have to learn how to maneuver, and the Lord grant you wisdom. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
How do you balance your secular work being a wife and a mother? Hey, you balance who? <laughs> I think that one of the things is, well, you also seek help when you need it. And also don't be a jack of all trades. You can't do everything. You want to attend everything, go everywhere, solve every problem. You can't. You can't. You can do your maximum, your best, but you can't do everything. You are supposed to look good as a woman. At the same time, you are cooking. At the same time, children are spilling things into your clothes. At the same time, you are an advisor, a comforter, a bookkeeper, a nutritionist, uh, an education. Where the children bring their homework is you. You have to do balanced meals in the house. You have to, eh, so many things. It takes the grace of God and wisdom. So sit down and make a personal timetable of what you do at this time, what you do, and cut out social media. Cut down television. Do people still watch soap operas? No, they watch Netflix and series. Series up to 95. And seasons. <laughs> My husband and I, we just discovered Netflix during the pandemic. And even after that, well, as a young married woman, how can you juggle between marriage ministry here? How do you navigate marriage as a woman in full-time ministry? How do you fulfill what you ought to and balance it well? It takes a lot of wisdom, and it will take some sacrifice because sometimes when you would like to be asleep, you may have to be on your knees. Sometimes when you would like to be asleep, you may have to be studying the word. But when you cut out time wasters, you realize that you also have time. Amen. Uh, what, how do you deal with a husband who tells you he doesn't know how to show affection and doesn't? You see, God hasn't created us to stay the way we are. The Bible says we are changed from glory to glory. So please, husband, try and change. If you don't know how, learn it. Knowledge is power. Amen. Sometimes I tell my husband, these people, they say they follow you. But I don't think they follow you in being romantic. Because, you see, the way I come across... I look like I'm very romantic, but I'm not. I'm very loving, but I'm not romantic. The romantic person is my husband. Candles, let's go here. Um, I am not romantic. But I also don't say that. Eh, I'm not romantic, that's how I am. You two, try. <laughs> try. Do you understand? So don't just say to your wife, uh, I don't know. What somebody, the, the beloved said, call me baby. Said, ah, an adult like you, I should call you <laughs> True story, oh, the relationship broke. <laughs> As people are saying, babes, baby, you won't learn it. You say, an adult like you. Say, are you not of voting age? Nonsense. <laughs> How do you fulfill what you have to do? Well, God will give you grace to fulfill it. Amen. Is working to put your husband through school okay? Well, we are supposed to help each other. The sad thing is that sometimes people are not grateful and it turns the other way. But you don't have to be weary in well-doing, you know. And how do you deal with husband's anger? Do you talk back or just deal with the anger quietly? Look, I have a message called Remedies for Contention. A soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer breaks bones, okay? So the fact that your, your answer is soft doesn't mean it's not true. So I pray that God don't. And when I have learned that when my husband is talking to me, and this one is late learning, I shouldn't um, 
respond at the same time. Because you see, my training is that when you say something, I must be on my feet. You see, it's not litigation, but when you say something, I have to think quickly and stand up and say, objection, my Lord, based on this. <laughs> and then also, my specialization was in legislative drafting, which is drafting laws. And they say that, choose your words with precision and uh, cover all the tracks that a bad man would like to use to do bad things. You are doing a new law, do you see? So I realized that when you talk to me, I wouldn't say it, but I would say that, ah, why is she using this word, which has four meanings? She should rather use it. I wasn't aware, but later I became aware. I said, mm, you know? And once I was discussing something with my husband, and he said, I said, well, that's a preposterous idea. Huh? You are telling me, because I said, it's the idea, not the person. You see? <laughs> so you need to be of good understanding to know how to juggle, what to say. Because when you are talking, although I wasn't so much into advocacy, but when you are talking, I'm thinking about how all the things you are saying, excuse me to say, don't make sense. <laughs> They don't reach where you should reach. You know? So I'm thinking about that. And also because you are trained, you are looking for loopholes. You know, and what the person, ah, but what you are saying, it doesn't, whatever. So that is not good. So now you take all your legalese off and you just listen. And you listen intelligently. And then in my latter days, I've learned not to speak at the same time. Even if it's not true. You see, but I used to think that if it's not true, it must be corrected now. Because the notion will be carried. It's true. Before you know it's in the preaching. <laughs> but I've learned to just let it slide. And then I come back and say, oh, you know, the last time when you were saying this, that's not really, that's not really what happened. Those are not the facts. But, this is, but whilst you're talking to me, I should be looking for light in what you're saying. And backing the truth, no matter how small, is in what you are saying. So, oh, yeah, I get how you feel. It must be awful. It must be whatever. Then it ends there. Then later, I come and say, oh, this thing, it wasn't. A, but the, the, the difficulty is in the later. Yeah. God is helping us. Yeah. Good understanding. How can I be humble and say yes to whom I should marry? I am somebody who minds hide things. <gasps> well, the Bible didn't say let an angel humble you. Let it say humble yourself. The humility and humbling comes from you. So just humble yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. Lady Reverend, please, if I'm having issues with my husband, is it okay to discuss the issues with my mother-in-law if she asks about our relationship, how our relationship is doing? Prima facie, no. Prima facie means on the surface of it, no, without going into details. But my greatest counselor has been my mother-in-law. And the reason is because she's always on my side. <laughs> so yours may be different, you know. And she tells my husband, this girl, she's sunshine. She's an asset, you know. So... What do you deal with a husband? How do you deal with who, who tells you he doesn't know how to show off? Okay, we've done that. 
How do you marry with no affection or continue to marry? Do you just exist in the marriage and accept affectionless marriage which continues to leave you lonely? Sometimes too, our expectations are not practical and they are not real. Do you understand? You say, Lady Reverend, I want to marry a man who will kiss my feet. Hey, look, he doesn't know. <laughs> You've been watching too many movies. You know? My usual thing I say about movies, you see a man, he's pulling the girl's hand luggage and they are walking together and the, 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 the girl is going on the train and the man doesn't want her to go and they are playing the song, I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you wait for me. Hold me like you never. You are sitting on your couch. You said, Peter, he's not like that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean Pastor. He's <laughs> just one of the disciples. He's not like that. So by the time he comes from work, you are swollen with anger. But it's a movie. And even that, they have been practicing for a long time. Take one, take two, take three, before they get it right. Amen. And then when they get on the train, it's raining. And then she goes on the train. And then the, the window panes are cloudy. And then she draws her heart. And then the man can see her and she has tears and she says, <laughs> Then the man doesn't want the train to go. Then the whistle goes and the train has to go and he decides to run along with the carriage. And the movie people bring special effects so it's slow motion. I said, Alicia, you said that is love, not this foolish man sitting at home with no romance. You see what I said about being thankful? Sit down and list things to be thankful for your husband for from God. And I think that when you start from there, you know, and then also don't just make it general. You are not affectionate. Give him things that he can work with. For instance, oh, please, I would like a birthday present on my birthday. Since I married you 15 years, <laughs> you have never bought me a gift before. But you see, when you go and add that, then it goes into negativity. So it's in your head. Do you understand? But you just say what you want, not what you don't do. But many women come with, you've never bought me a present since we married. You've never bought me a car. We come from the negative, but we are trying to get you to do it. But we should rather come from the positive and say what we want. Men are logical. Go to the point. But don't say that, you know, uh, I wanted to talk to you. You see, an affectionless marriage, what does it mean? What does it mean? They don't understand it. But if you say, please... On my birthday, I want you to remember and give me a present. And then he forgets your birthday. He said, please, bring your phone. I want to put a reminder on it for you so that you will remember that. Oh, please, it's my birthday in two days. I would like to go for dinner in this. Every day I have to say. Every day I have to say. Because 
he is uneducated in that realm. And you are also uneducated in things of the bedroom. Every time I say every day you are calling me, every day you are calling me. When you eat soup, are you not full? He is not full. So we are all supposed to help each other. So help your husband to love you. Amen. Amen. You preach with such eloquence and grace. To God be the glory. Any practical tips on how to counsel or preach in the same way? How to catch the anointing, isn't it? You just, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. As you do that, something will rub off. Should you go ahead in a marriage if one parent of the spouse is not in agreement, no matter what is said or done? You know, some of these things, you need more facts, not just the parents are not agreeing. If it's on religious grounds that maybe one belongs, one is a, a Islamic and one is whatever, and the parents are not agreeing, then you may have to work to get their consent or you may have to go ahead. It depends. So it's too blanket for me to say. But most of the time, we say fight for the consent of the parents as hard as you can so that you will, you will get their blessing before. Should peace be an ultimate factor in saying yes? Peace. I don't understand. A good spouse, everything is good, but you feel scared and there's no complete peace. Oh, that's fear. You have a good spouse, but you are afraid. Often when we have good things, we are afraid that we'll lose them. And we are afraid that something bad will happen. But that is a spirit of fear. And 2 Timothy 1.8, or is it first, says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So anything that is of fear is not of God. And fear is not a mood, it's a spirit. And spirits, when they are evil, you cast them out. You don't give them places to stay and give them food to eat so that they grow. I pray that God will grant us understanding the eyes of our understanding be enlightened and give us endurance for our marriages you know marriage is god's idea not the world's idea and the world is messing it up may we not have the understanding of the world but may our minds be renewed and may we fight on in jesus name father i pray for all marriages here i pray that you will enter every household and every family represented here Father, your word says that the wise man built on a rock. Give your people the grace to build their lives, their marriages, their choices, their decisions on your word. And Lord, the same storm came to the foundation with stone. And the same storm came to the foundation with sand. But the difference was the quality of the foundation. May we build our lives on Jesus Christ. May we not make Christianity just a social thing, but may we have an intimate and personal relationship with you. Father, heal homes, heal marriages, heal hearts. Do things that only you can do. And show your children the way of escape in impossible situations. We break generational curses. We break sins of our fathers that are transcending into marriages. We refuse it. We plead the blood and we say that the bloodline of Jesus is our bloodline. And our children will not inherit, inhabit chaos and inherit confusion. But we speak peace into every marriage. I pray that the spirit of understanding will be cursed. Misunderstanding will be cursed. I pray that the spirit of division will be cursed. I pray that husbands and wives will be united. 
And that, Lord, through that, they may fight the enemy. Thank you for the legions of heaven that fight for us. Thank you for Jesus who lives to make intercession for us. God, cause your children to overcome and to prevail that the world may know that you have called us. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.